Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. The new film, The Trial of the Chicago 7, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, dramatizes with a distinguished cast that infamous five-month stretch of courtroom proceedings following the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, the one that saw anti-Vietnam War activists confronted by police and the National Guard. In that version of a divided America, they and thousands of others had been denied permits to assemble in protest. Curfews in the city were enforced. Violence and this long trial were the result. Early in the film, we learn what the U.S. government has in mind as Attorney General John Mitchell frames the case against the protesters. They will be tried for conspiracy to cross state lines with intention to incite a riot. And Mitchell has other, more nostalgic thoughts. There's such a thing as manners. I want to bring back manners. How about that? The America I grew up in. Will you help me, Mr. Schultz? The America I grew up in. It's one of the countless times in the movie we hear words that echo the very heart of our current culture. Law and order was a familiar phrase then, too, and demonizing media was a major tool. There's no shortage of relevant material on the era in the archives. On a search, you might come across the real Walter Cronkite at the 68 convention, for example, shaking his head as police in riot gear gather in preparation at the order of Chicago's Mayor Richard Daley. A democratic convention is about to begin in a police state. There just doesn't seem to be any other way to say it. Or you might observe the real Jerry Rubin of the Seven, a leader, though he may not have liked to think of it that way. Across the country, there are people like you who are ready to act. And they don't need no leader telling them what to do. Because we're all leaders. They don't need anyone giving orders. They don't even need anyone giving instructions. There was so much pent-up anger at the time. The convention began in the summer of 1968 which had already been a year of furious unrest, with the Tet Offensive in January, followed by brutal assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy, with massive student protests worldwide. All rise. Then came the trial in 69. Sorkin, as we know, loves a good court case, one where larger principles are at stake. You will address this court as judge or your honor. And you will not address this court until... You will not address this court. That's actor Frank Langella as the scathing Judge Julius Hoffman, not to be confused with the deeply rebellious and taunting defendant, Abby Hoffman, played by Sasha Baron Cohen. The record should reflect that defendant Hoffman and I are not related. Father, no. Mr. Hoffman, are you familiar with contempt of court? It's practically a religion for me, sir. By intercutting the contentious trial with scenes of the convention and actions of the defendants, the film manages to touch on just about everything we're struggling with right now. Police brutality, racism, the right to assemble in protest. Aaron Sorkin wrote the screenplay a little more than a decade ago, we're told, for Spielberg to direct. But it didn't come together then. And finally, Sorkin himself came in as director, and here we are, with something that seems a lot like us. 
I first performed this little show a decade ago uh, for an audience of maybe 20 people. Another drama, in this case a filmed play, What the Constitution Means to Me, has more or less the same effect. The idea for the play goes back as well about a decade or more, but it has more recently grown and, to say the least, found its footing. With a run on Broadway and having won most of the relevant awards for drama and been a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. This new filmed version of it, directed by Marielle Heller, couldn't be much more different from the trial of the Chicago 7, but its stories and sentiments also have that familiar sting. Heidi Schreck, the author and onstage first-person teller of these stories, relates her early life as a contest winner, traveling around middle America, earning prize money by giving speeches about the U.S. Constitution, which she loved. She does the first part of the play as her 15-year-old self. Our Constitution can be thought of as a boiling pot in which we are thrown together in sizzling and steamy conflict to find out what it is we truly believe. And just when you think you might not be able to stand that person for another second, she takes off her jacket and grows up. I learn about two kinds of rights. Negative rights and positive rights. And she tells us what she's learned as an adult, talking to scholars and experts about the highly imperfect document. Positive rights are active rights. They are things the government must do or provide. They include things like like the right to a fair trial. She tells us the Constitution is a negative rights document, originally designed, she says, to protect the men who made it and their property. And that insight takes us to some perilous and touching places. I don't want to give away too much. And some painful statistics about violence against women, some of whom were in her own family. Even if you don't know the statistic, the truth of that is there all the time. The truth of that rampant violence against women's bodies is underneath everything, all the time, humming. Shrek adds two more characters briefly along the way, the second of whom is a young person of color, a teenager, who, like the young Heidi, is asked to argue and debate constitutional points. And one of these brilliant young women has agreed to join us here tonight. Hi, my name is Rose Dalley Cipriang. I'm a 14-year-old debater from New York City, and I've been... So there it is. That's the next generation, and there will be a next and another. Funny how these two American dramas, both having cooked for a long time, seem to have landed at this moment together almost accidentally. Even though what they show us, very entertainingly, is that the anxious, divided stranglehold we find ourselves in is hardly an accident, and not new. Naturally, our receptors for history and for messages like these couldn't be more out, along with a desire to see tales of our own confounding time passed on to the next. It's Fishko Files. I'm Sarah Fishko.